The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is uh, Nathan Hirsch. Nathan, welcome to the show. Henry, thank you so much for having me. Oh, pleasure to have you. So Nathan is the CEO of FreeUp.com and the CEO of Portlight. Uh, Nathan has been an entrepreneur in the e-commerce industry since way back in 2009, and I don't say that just jokingly. That's a long time in this industry and has grown into a leading expert in the field with uh, experience managing multi-million dollar businesses. Uh, FreeUp.com, which we're going to dive into, is his latest venture is an online agency that specializes in placing online workers into e-commerce businesses. And he'll share with us what exactly that means. Uh, before founding FreeUp though, he, he founded and built a dropship Amazon business to over $7 million in sales with 60 full-time workers. So I'm excited to learn about that and how he went through that process. So in today's episode, Nathan's gonna share his entrepreneur journey his business startup experience, and of course, just general tips and advice for small business owners. Uh, Nathan lives in Winter Park, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando. And so once again, Nathan Hirsch, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Anything there I missed in your background or where you at today? We're going to get into your entrepreneur journey. Was there anything major that I missed there that you'd like to add? No, I've had kind of a crazy entrepreneurial experience. I, I wanted to be to own my own business just because I don't like working for other people. I might have a, an authoritative problem, um, but I I never imagined that it would happen this fast or this quick or have this much success. I mean, I was running a multi-million dollar Amazon business out of my college dorm room um, that I started just to make a little extra beer money on the side. And before <laughs> I knew it, I was hiring employees before I could legally drink. So um it's been a very weird and humbling experience. There's been a lot of ups and downs. That's fantastic. I can't wait to get into it. It's 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 amazing how beer can be a motivator at an early age. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you, uh, I forget the exact words, but you always felt you wanted to be your own boss. Is that something that was in you from early on? Tell me about that. Yeah, so I lived in a neighborhood where there, there wasn't a lot of traffic driving by, um, but the neighborhood next to me was packed. And I, and I say that because I always wanted to start a business and I always failed. I would try to start that lemonade stand and no one would come because there were no cars. Um, one time I tried to run like a summer camp on my backyard. This was when I was like really little and I thought that's something that I could do. Um, so I've always wanted to do something, but I never um, had the success or I didn't really know how to do it. Um, the ability to control how much you make was always 
in the back of my mind, my parents were teachers. We definitely weren't poor, but I had a lot of friends that whose parents were doctors, lawyers, accountants um, that had like the latest video games and that kind of stuff. So I was always a little motivated for to have things that I didn't have. Um, and then I always just never, I didn't enjoy working for other people. I had a lot of great opportunities and jobs that I learned a lot from. My mom was owned a kindergarten, um, the kindergarten preschool in my town. So I got a little bit of my entrepreneurial background from her, but she had a lot of connections with uh, different business owners that got me different jobs here and there, and they were entry-level jobs, and they were really good opportunities, and I learned a lot, but I hated waking up and look, being like, oh my God, I got to go to work in an hour. I have to follow these rules, and I'm not a big fan of rules just for the sake of having rules, so I always knew that if I was going to get a 40-hour-a-week job out of college, I was just going to be miserable. Yeah. So even as you were preparing to go to college, you knew you were going to go the entrepreneurial route? It was one of, I'm a pretty logical person. So it was one of those things that, yes, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I want to have a backup plan in case it doesn't work. And I know that I'm smart enough to get a full-time job and that I need a full-time job in order to pay bills and to have a place to live and stuff like that. So it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I could always go get a full-time job if it didn't work out. Right. All right. So when you were, you were working on a bachelor's and ended up with a degree in entrepreneurship and small business management. So, so obviously that was your focus even in school, but then, and you alluded to it obviously in the opening, you start this business. Tell us about that. Sure. So it actually comes down to, I, I went to school wanting to go for business. And in the first intro to business class, the entrepreneurial professor came up and she gave a motivating speech about why you shouldn't take accounting, you shouldn't take finance, you shouldn't take <laughs> economics, and that you, you should take their, her new, brand new entrepreneurial class because um, if you, the only way to control how much money you make or to, um, to control how many hours you work and to really have control of your life is to be an entrepreneur. So um, that really stuck with me and I ended up taking her class class, becoming an entrepreneur major. Um, freshman, sophomore year, you kind of take all the different business classes before you start to really focus. And I also realized I was spending a lot of money on textbooks. And then when I would go to send them to sell them back at the end of the semester, I would get pennies on the dollar. Um, and that just made me very pissed off from the logical perspective. And I saw all my friends around me getting ripped off as well. So I started a textbook business where instead of going to the bookstore, I would buy the textbooks back from the students and the college didn't really approve of it. So I did it under the radar. <laughs> and the people started selling me their textbooks to the point where I had my dorm room was just covered in textbooks. And then at the beginning of the next semester, I would sell them and make a, make a little bit of money and pay for the beer and all that. Um, and then that led me to Amazon because you, you don't sell books without learning about Amazon. So that was kind of the natural progression. And then when I found Amazon, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. There's all these customers that want to buy stuff and you just need to put products online to get them in front of the customers. So I started experimenting with what could sell and what wouldn't sell. Um, and I knew books sold, but I also knew that it was unrealistic for me to sell textbooks. I knew that textbooks were on their way out, even though they're still here to this day. I thought they'd be out um, long before that. Um, and that I also just didn't want to carry around textbooks all day. It, it wasn't um, – it's tough to expand that way. It wasn't the direction that I wanted to go. So I started experimenting with the idea of drop shipping, of finding deal sites. Let's say a product was on sale for 20 bucks. I would sell it on Amazon for 40 bucks. And then if someone bought it, I would drop ship it from the deal to the person and profit whatever the difference was. 
at the time I didn't know it was called drop shipping and my I claim that I'm the person I was not probably not the first person but one of the first people because um, there's a lot of people who have created courses on drop shipping and all that whereas I kind of just did it behind the scenes and I didn't tell anyone because I thought I came up with the greatest idea of all time to make money without actually touching the product right. um, and now it's pretty popular but yeah, so I started drop shipping and drop shipping and drop shipping and finding different vendors to drop ship from. And before I knew it, I was running this huge college business and uh, I sat down with my accountant and he was like, you can't do this all by yourself. Do you want to work seven days a week the rest of your life? And I was like, okay, you're right. So I started hiring my friends, which had some really good experiences and bad experiences. Ended up making some really great hires. I helped expand the company. My business partner, Connor, who's a part of Free Up now, and he's still a part of my Amazon store, and he's also a good friend of mine. But after college, when we graduated, we decided to move down to Florida to get an office because the office space here was cheaper. I'm also just not a fan of the cold, and there were a lot of other business and personal reasons down here. My other business partner, Zach, was getting his MBA at Rollins, so, so it made logical sense. So we moved down here, started an office, grew the company, did, did a really good job, made a lot of money, had learned a lot, um, grew the business, hired a lot of really great people, made connections, um, realized that with drop shipping, as you expand, there's a limit of how far you can expand just because of quality control because you're not actually touching the product. So we kind of maxed out. I, we probably could have gone further, but the, the bigger that you get at that point, the just more risk you're taking on. Mm -hmm. So I decided to start a second company because my Amazon store runs without me. I have different assistants that do everything from customer care to filling orders and it's not like I need a warehouse to pack and ship and stuff for me to monitor. So I started freeup.com because I've had those good hiring experiences, bad hiring experiences. I learned a lot. Um, when I first moved down to Florida, a guy told me about Odesk, which is now called Upwork, and I thought it was the greatest platform I've ever heard of and I created an Odesk army where I just hired tens of 50 workers to work on my store from the Philippines, from India, from all these different places. And again, good experiences, bad experiences, wasted a lot of time, but I learned a lot. And so what I wanted to build free up as, and I'll get into that a little later, is what the business that I wish I had when I was hiring people for the first time and either I didn't know what I was doing because I'd never hired before or I didn't have a good system in place to interview people and filter out the bad ones or B, turnover is just expensive and I wanted a way to cut down on that. So that's really what I based free up on. Okay. Okay. You've thrown a lot at us here. So let's, lot, let's break some <laughs> of this down, Nathan. So I, I want to go back to – I want to go way back to what you said about being in that entrepreneurship class. Now, you still had to end up taking the accounting classes anyway to get your degree, right? Agreed. And, okay. I, and I actually wish I took more accounting classes. Okay. I, right. I know the basics, but I wish I had taken more. Okay, interesting. But I want to go back to that that presentation that that professor made. Besides you know, what you've shared already about rules and about the potential to make money, what was it that got your attention? Or was it all of it? Or was there something you remember that was just – that light bulb went off, obviously, when she spoke. It's freedom. I mean, even right now, like if I show up to work an hour late, um, maybe I'll lose money or something bad will happen, but it's not like I'm going to get fired. I'm not going to lose my job. Um, I don't have someone telling me to do something. I have the freedom to be creative and to implement ideas that I come up with. Um, I also get to build a team around me that I enjoy working with uh, and build a culture that's fun to work in. Um, I mean, I wake up every day excited to go to work. I jump out of bed. I'm an early riser. Um, and 
and it was all stuff that she preached, and it's true. And and I had a boss, um, Dave Edwards, who is uh, I don't know if he's a CEO, but he's high up in the company Aaron's, which is kind of like a rent a center. Um, and I did an internship with him, and he kind of had that same message. He's like, listen, I could be on the golf field, I could be at an airport, I could be hanging out with my family, and everyone just thinks I'm working. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And while you say that, I'm the intern, and I'm stuck at your office for ten hours. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's for me, that's one of the great parts of being an entrepreneur is that freedom of time. Yes, we work extremely hard, but A, we're working on our business. So we're, we're creating for ourselves and our family and our employees and our partners. But it's that freedom that you don't have somebody else kind of judging what you're doing and when you're doing it, right? There's nothing like that. I agree. And I'm going to an Orlando marketing conference actually right after this. And there's no one telling me I can't. I didn't have to put in for PTO or anything like that. And you just have that pure flexibility. Yeah, love that. So the name of the first business that I want to dive in a little bit more into the Amazon business was H Books and Toys. Is that correct? <laughs> so it started off being called Hirsch Industries. Okay. And then, then I changed it to H Books and Toys. And then when we stopped selling books, um, we changed it to Portlight, which was actually ah. the street name of the first street we lived on when we first moved down to Florida. Love that. Okay, so that's how the port light. I was a little confused as I was doing the research. I got it. So I want to go back to starting that business. You're managing a full workload in school, right, at the same time? Yeah, pure and, craziness. Yeah, I can imagine. So tell me about those early times, some of the now looking back, some of the mistakes you made and getting it wound up and started. Did it just fly away from you and then you had to kind of rein it back in? Just tell me more about that, how you manage that and going to school full time as well. Sure. So e-commerce was kind of new. Um, at the time, I had a girlfriend. I was rushing for a fraternity. Um, I was obviously at schoolwork and I wanted to get A's because I was paying for college. Um, I had my business and then I had other events, different sports, and obviously I wanted to have a social life as well. So it was just a lot of hours in time management. Luckily, I've been good at time management in my, in my history, so I had a little advantage there. Um, but I was not prepared at all for my first busy season. I didn't even know that sales went up um, towards the end of the year. I mean, looking back, I probably should have assumed that. But I mean, I, I knew, okay, I was selling 20, 40 products a day, um, going from July to August, September, and then October, and then all of a sudden November, and it was like, whoa, why am I getting so many orders? Why are so many people emailing me? I don't have a team to do this. Um, so it was me answering emails. It was me hiring people last minute, scrambling around, trying to get someone to do it. And then you, of course, realize that no one does it as well as you do, um, and it hurts your business. And then come January, that was kind of my aha moment. It was like, okay, if I'm going to take this seriously, I need to make sure that I'm never going to put myself in that position again, um, which is a lot of what I'm preaching to my clients right now are free up um, as we get closer and closer to the end of the year. So did you ever feel like maybe I drop out of school and go do this full time? <laughs> no, just because my parents – all right, so I always wanted the backup plan because I'm well aware of that – um, a lot of entrepreneurs fare, fail, a lot of businesses fail. Um, I also enjoyed college just from the social and from the learning perspective. I made a lot of friends in college. Um, I didn't really have a re – I could balance it. It wasn't unreasonable. That first busy season was unreasonable and I, and I just fought through it and worked 24 hours a day. Um, but after that, I did a much better job of hiring people and making sure that I could balance my time. That makes sense. So tell me a tip or two on time management that you still use to this day to, to manage everything you have going wake up early. So the, 
stuff is always slower in the morning. You get less people contacting you in the morning. Um, it's ju just your time to focus and get caught up from the week before. Um, also making sure that you just lay out your days, lay out your projects. I always have a list of short-term and long-term projects and every day I'm chipping away the long-term while also trying to clear out all the short-term. So that I'm not a crazy calendar person where I'm where I have every minute booked. Um, I do have a calendly that people can book meetings with, and and I've gotten more organized in that sense. Um, but for me, it's about getting a head start on everyone else on the day because. If you spend the first hour or two of the day getting organized, getting caught up, you have a huge advantage over everyone else. And the other thing is prioritizing. The A lot of reasons that people fail businesses is because they prioritize things incorrectly. Mm -hmm. They'll focus on one thing when they should be focusing on sales. You should always, always be focused on sales. Um, but And if you have different projects you could work on because there's a million different directions your business could go, a million different projects you could work on, you have to prioritize what – what is worth your time? What is worth your employee's time, your assistant's time? Um, and that's the biggest uh, way to succeed or fail in business, in my opinion. And so you're spending time in the morning mostly prioritizing? Yeah, prioritizing. For me, it's kind of fast now. I can look at 10 different projects and be like, okay, this, 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 and this. Um, for other people, you kind of take a step back. But I mean, prioritizing is everything. So the tendency we have, we all have, I know I have, is to put off that hard thing until later. How do you avoid that and falling into that trap? Sure. So I have a team of assistants. I have about 15 assistants that work for me and I kind of edge into their mentality to be my mentality um, where they have a short-term and long-term list and the short-term stuff I'm expecting quick and the long-term stuff I'm expecting them not to forget about and chip away at. So to me, something hard is only hard if you leave it up to the last minute. It's much easier if you chip away in it. I'll kind of relate it to school. Whenever I was studying for tests, I was never the type of person who could cram at the last minute. And if I was cramming at the last minute, I was failing that test. So instead of doing that, I would start studying a month in advance and do a little bit every day and obviously increase it when you get closer. Um, but the same things with business. If you have this huge project, instead of just sitting down for three days and banging it out, start doing the little things here and there, building up, building up. And then when it comes to crunch time, you kind of have this foundation and that really hard project just became that much easier. Um, and you can have other people help you and all that. So what time in the morning do you get up? <laughs> it's random. Anywhere between five and seven. If I sleep past seven, it's crazy. <laughs> and do you have a ritual? Is there something you do every morning or does it vary? Right now, my ritual is drink coffee and check my Skype and email. Um, my brain functions very well in the morning and my body functions much better at the end of the day. I'm a big workout guy, but I hate working out in the morning um, and I prefer to work, do actual um, business work in the morning. So when I wake up, that's when I'm at my peak and I try to get as much done and organize and brainstorm and all that stuff right in the morning. All right, so the that business, the Portlight business that you started in college, I think from what I'm gathering is it kind of grew and you bootstrapped. In other words, you didn't need a lot of capital to start it, or did you? Nope, I started it with $20. Okay, and then you grew it over time. Correct. Excellent. That's that's the way that I know how to build businesses. I'm a big fan of um, 
making money and then investing it back into the company to keep growing, hiring part-time people, turning them into full-time people, growing very organically, um, being very frugal when you're running your business, even free up. And, and I made a good amount of money on Portlight, but when I was joining free up, it was like, okay, I'm going to start with X amount of money and it wasn't very much. And then I'm going to use that money to grow my business. I'm not just going to take money from my bank account and just pour it into the business and hope that it works. I want to proof of concept before I do that. That's great. That's great advice. And so do you have a partner or partners in FreeUp? So I have people, so I'm the 100% owner, but my business partner, Connor, who's now doing his own stuff, which is awesome. You can check him out at connorgillivan.com. He's got a great blog, um, but he does Portlight and then he runs his, his other business, Ecommerize, and then blog. And then he also does part-time for me at FreeUp. Um, and we have an equity agreement that if he works long enough for me, he gets X amount. Um, and my developer, who's actually a lead developer at Disney, same type of thing. He does it part-time um, and he, he has an equity agreement as well if he stays with us. Um, but Right now, I'm a 100% owner. Got it. So free up, you, you gave us a little bit about how you came to that idea because it was part of how you were using uh, freelance and outsourced resources with your other business. But I want to just walk through a little bit more from idea when you thought, well, there's a business there to launching. So tell me about that process. Sure. So the one common thing that all business owners can agree on is hiring people sucks. And the other thing is that turnover is expensive. It is the biggest business killer. Um, it costs the most money. If you train someone for six months and they quit, it could set your business back another six months. So I wanted to help cure these things. Um, the other thing that is becoming very popular is remote working. Um, FreeUp is actually not an outsourcing company. We're a remote hiring company. And remote hiring is becoming popular for a lot of different ways. It's less overhead. Um, you get access to a bigger talent pool. Um, and there and there's different cost benefits if you hire someone in the Philippines rather than hiring the if you hire the lowest level person in the Philippines rather than the lowest level person in the US, um, you avoid minimum wage laws and all that. So there's a lot of different benefits to it. And a lot of people don't use these benefits or they don't know about them or they just don't use them to their advantage. So what I wanted to do was come up with a, a way to save people time on the front end, save them the recruitment time, the interview time, um, the, the creating the processes to make sure that it's the right fit for their company time. And then also protect them on the back end because you could spend two weeks doing interviews and interviews hours and hours and hours and find this great, awesome candidate. And then they quit on day two and then you're right back where you start. Started. Um, so at FreeUp, what we do is we take that all off of your plate. Um, we have a great interview process that I created myself. We get hundreds of applicants every week. We take less than 1% of them. Um, we have 15 pages of communication guidelines that our workers have to memorize um, and get tested on because that's the big con of remote workers is communication. It's not like you're going to go chase someone down in the Philippines. Um, if you can't get a hold of someone, it's a lot different than if they're in your town. Um, so we kind of we, – we make the communication a huge thing that we emphasize. And then on the back end, we're very hands-on. I have my team of assistants. Um, is always there to help clients if anything goes wrong, um, if there's any miscommunication, stuff like that, which rarely happens, but it's bound to here and there. And then on the very back end, our workers very rarely quit. Um, but again, people leave jobs. It's real life. It happens over time. So if our workers quit for any reason, we're insurance. We cover all retraining costs. We get them a new worker right away, and we make sure that they never take a step backwards for HR reasons. So on the front end, you become a client. It's free. Whenever you want a worker, you request it. It's a simple form that gives me the information I need to give you a worker from my network. We give you a worker from our network that's reliable, pre-vetted, has the skill set you want, and then we back it up on the back end. 
And these are, uh, this is in the technical arena that you're providing services. Is that right? Or what, what is the, uh, ex- sure. what is the expertise? So, so we offer both U.S. and non-U.S. workers for every skill set. Our workers range from 5 to $50 an hour. It's focused around e-commerce. 99% of our clients are e-commerce. We do have 1% that does real estate or other businesses that are not exactly e-commerce that just love our workers. Um, we don't do bookkeeping and we don't do coding, although coding will probably get into next year, but almost everything else we do. So what, any, what, any, what is it typically that they're doing? Give me an example. Sure. So running someone's website, customer care, Amazon, eBay, Shopify, Google AdWords, graphic design, writing, any kind of content, any kind of email marketing, digital marketing, um, data entry, Excel, um, Microsoft Word, any of that type of stuff. Okay. Now, are these folks, are you subcontracting them or are they your employees? They're not my employees. They're all contractors. So yeah, you're subcontracting them through me. Okay. And so this term of remote hiring, I I just want to make sure I'm following. And why are you saying that's different from if I go to one of the many other sites where I can freelance or hire someone for a one-off project? It's different in that I get you're you're doing the upfront screening. You're making sure these people are qualified. You're making sure now that I don't have to go through that process. So that's part of it. Am I getting what what the differentiator is? Yeah, I mean, you can go on lots of different sites, freelancer.com, upwork.com, monster.com. You post a job, you get a ton of applicants, and then you go through them. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you hope for the best at the end of the day. And maybe you make a good hire or you make that bad hire. I'm having to to do that work now of going through the screening process, having put together the posting correctly to attract the right people. That all that, which is hours of work, uh, is on me. Where you're taking care of that. With us, you sign up. It takes five minutes. You submit a worker request. It takes thirty seconds, and we have you workers usually within the hour, sometimes within a minute. Now, you mentioned one of the other issues that especially small business owners face, and that is that if I hire someone directly, I'm spending all this money and time and effort training them, and then I could lose them either because they weren't a good fit or whatever. How are you saying this model helps me with that issue? Sure. So we, you never have to pay retraining. You never have to pay training costs twice. So if you hire one of my workers and you spend 20 hours training them and you pay for the training time because that's what you have to do, um, the, and that worker quits in six months, we will pay 20 hours or maybe more to get them up to speed um, in order so that way you never have paid for that twice. And there's a process you have in place to kind of capture that system, that knowledge, so you don't have to do it all over because it's not just the cost. That I agree. Small it's a business, time. So it's the time, right? So there, you must have something in place there to try to minimize the redundancy of having to go through it again. If possible, we will. We can't train the workers for you. It really depends on the situation. Our guarantee is that we'll cover the cost of training. We can't recover the time that it takes to train, although a lot of clients will hire more than one worker from us. They'll hire um, a project manager and then some cheaper, smaller workers underneath them. And if one of the cheaper workers quits, we'll pay for the project manager to train them because the project manager already knows how. Um, it really depends on what the system is, um, what the process is. I have over 350 clients that all have different business models, sell on different platforms, use different software. So um, it would be impossible for me to actually train that worker and then hand them over pre-trained. Um, but instead, we're giving you the new worker right away so you don't have to spend time on recruiting. And then we're paying them paying for you until you get them trained up to the speed of the worker that quit. Yeah, that's fair. I I understand. All right, Nathan, I I still want to go back to the question of the process from when this was an idea to launching. How how long did I take? Did that take from, oh, this is a business idea to I actually have free up, up and running? How long did that process take? 
Sure. So I'll kind of relate this to me and my business partner, Connor. We have very different, we get along great. We have very different business uh, mentalities, which is one of the reasons I think we're so successful working together. He's the kind of person that he'll spend time creating this game plan. This is how the business is going to run. This is the systems. This is what it's going to look like at the end. Whereas my mindset is, all right, even if I do that, um, at some point along the line, I'm going to change directions. It's going to go into a different tra trail. And all that time that I spent planning out what isn't even going to end up happening is time that I could have been spent trial and error and testing and see what works and adjusting. So I'm more of I create the general overview of what I thought FreeUp would be, um, which was an outsourcing company. And then I kind of tailored it to what my clients wanted. And, and I talked to a lot of different clients um, who had hired before. I learned about their bad experiences what they care about the most, which was turnover and time spent hiring and all that. And then I tailored it. Um, I tailored the business towards that. And I also saw a demand that not everyone wants a $5 hour worker in the Philippines. Some people want middle range workers. Some people need an expert. Um, so I, I wanted to offer all the, those services where, yeah, you can hire my five to $20 an hour workers where you, you should have processes and systems in place. And I'll provide you with a reliable worker that learns quickly, um, that has a background in whatever you're doing, but you really need to train them on what you're doing. Or you can hire one of my experts. Let's say you have an Amazon store and you want to get to eBay and you don't know anything about eBay. Um, or if you have an Amazon store that you just want to take to the next level and you don't know how, I have those expensive US experts available as well. So we're really there to help you assist your company. So it kind of transgressed from my original idea to of uh, or my original idea was, all right, there's outsourcing. A lot of people don't know about it. Let's go business to business and tell people about outsourcing to, okay, there's an actual demand and a need for this. And this really helps business owners expand. So we kind of tweaked the business model um, and made it as user friendly as possible. And so what period of time are we talking about here as this thing evolved into what it is now? Sure. So we're a little over a year into free up. We celebrate our anniversary within the past month. Um, it probably took us two months to get get it going, contacting a lot of businesses, um, get our first few clients that were actually stable. Um, and then probably the first six months was really fine tuning what our business model is so we could clearly tell it to the consumer. Um, and then from there, it was all about building our software to make it even more user friendly, fine tuning it, recruiting more and more great workers, marketing and all that stuff. Yeah, that's great. So it's obvious as I'm gathering that for you, for your personality and the way you do things, these types of businesses where you can iterate, where in other words, it doesn't have to be fully baked to launch. You can launch with version 0.0 or 0.10 or, or version one and then evolve it. That's the way you like to build a business and that's been successful for you, obviously. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. And I'm not in the mentality that I'm right and you're wrong. Um, Connor does a great job. He's a very successful person and his way works for him and my way works for me. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of other different ways to build a business. Um, I, I'm a big fan of minimizing risk um, and, and I'm a big fan of trial and error. And I always I have that mentality that you always come across something or some kind of revenue stream or some way to make things more efficient by trial and error. So that's kind of my mentality. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's why you guys balance each other so well. He balances risk, it seems, more by planning. You balance it more by let's take it a step at a time and iterate and both the both of you together work well. Exactly. He's always been the long term person and I'm more of the short term person. Yeah, I love that. Fantastic. Um, okay, so boy, lots of good stuff there. Fantastic, and thanks for sharing all of that. Um, as you look at it now, when you look back at these businesses that you started, 
Is there anything that kind of stands out that when people ask you, what's your advice for starting a business or what you would have done differently? Is there anything that stands out in your mind? Um, yeah. So my advice before starting a business is to make sure you are actually committed to starting a business. And I will take this back to, um, back when I was in college and I had first had success with my Amazon business and I was working a lot of hours. I got asked to be on this shark tank panel, um, for different college kids to see if anyone had an idea that was worth doing. Um, and there were a few okay ideas. And I remember meeting with the teams afterwards. Um, and I was like, okay, so like, what's the next step? And they were like, what do you mean? What's the next step? And I'm like, all right, are you going to start? Like, what's your plan for like life right now? And they're like, oh, I'm going to like finish college and I'm probably going to go to this party tonight. And I'm like, okay, so like, when are you putting in the 60 hours a week needed to actually get this idea off the ground? And they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? So my, my advice is before starting a business is make sure that you're committed to that first one to three years of working 60 hours a week, making sacrifices, um, having ups and downs, make sure you can handle the failure um, or else just don't get into it. Get a stable job, provide for your family. You can still live a good life. It's not for everyone, um, but make sure you actually know what you're getting into because there's very few businesses that two, month in, two months in, you sell your idea to Shark Tank and you're a millionaire. Then 99% of the time, that doesn't happen. Um, so make sure you're prepared. Um, what was the other question again i uh, know that, that was it I was, I was i was thinking as you were talking about that that's tremendous advice do you find that a lot of people that you talk to miss that sacrifice part they think it's just like you see on tv is that what you find sometimes yeah, well, I shouldn't say that. I work with a lot of clients who put in the sacrifice, and they're on online all day with me every day. But I also ha talk to people that are like, "All right, I want to start an Amazon business. Where do I start?" And I'm like, "Okay, before you, before I get to how you do it, let's make sure you actually want to do it." Um, and and I like to give people advice in that sense. Yeah, and so to that end, what I have found is in order to be to acknowledge that and understand that that's what's next. You have to have a broader or bigger vision as to where you're going because that's what drives you there. What, what, what has been that vision for you? Where are you going with this? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's more where Connor comes in. He's more of the vision person. I can tell you that personally, what's very fulfilling for me about free up um, is I'm employing a lot of people. I'm contracting a lot of people that are that I've gotten to know on a very personal level that are using the money they make from free up to pay their bills and provide for their family. And it's an opportunity that they haven't had before. And they're very appreciative to it. And I also get to work with a great team with a great culture. Um, that's really fun. And I, and I want to grow on that. And I really my motivation right now is to start working with bigger and bigger companies um, and to help companies have as much success as I've had um, be just by ha hiring the right people. People don't realize how big of a, um, of a part of business that is. If you, if you go have the best business idea of the world, you can't do it by yourself. You need a good team around you that believes in it, that treats a business like it's their own. Um, and I really want to show people that and teach people that. And on the back end, I want to help workers that have the skill set but can't necessarily sell themselves. They don't know how to go to a job board and get someone to pick them out of all the applications, but they have the, the amazing skill set and be able to connect those people together to have a really great relationship. Because back when I was selling on Amazon, like, yeah, I could make a lot of money. I could sell product. It was me um, just doing it on my computer. There wasn't that much interaction or networking, and it was pretty much all for me or the people inside the company, whereas FreeUp has the opportunity 
opportunity and the ability to help so many different people out there. So many, let so many people realize their dreams. So many people make a living off doing whatever skill set they love to do. So to me, that's more motivating than, um, oh my God, I hope I'm making $30 million a year in five years. Mm -hmm. So to that end, are you the type of person that really is motivated more by right now I'm, I'm enjoying this, I'm helping others, I'm creating opportunities versus some people may have that, but also like you said, have this vision for where they wanna be. It may not be monetary, but just where, where they wanna go or is it both? Is it for you, you're a person about, I'm enjoying this now and things come as they will what type of person are you, you think, in that regard? I, I am that type of person, whereas Connor is more of that other person. I know he's got 10, 20, 30-year plans, um, and, and I'm excited to see where we both are at that point. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I do kind of live in the moment and see – like, I know what I want to do in the next week. I have a game plan for the next month, um, but I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. I don't know if FreeUp will be around or if it will be this huge, gigantic company, or maybe I'll have four other companies. Um, hopefully, I don't have a real job, but um, – yeah, that's kind of my mentality. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's great. Thanks for sharing that. But of course, you've balanced that throughout your life and that even when you were in college, you knew, well, I, I can see far out enough to know I got to finish my degree so I have a backup plan. You you looked forward enough now to know I don't take I don't like to take huge risks. I like to iterate. Um, so there's a balance of that in the short term. So I want to segue then as we start to finish it up here is what do you think have been in your life so far, some of the keys to your business and life success. We've, we've talked about your vision, the willingness to sacrifice. What else do you think has been key to your success? Just surrounding myself with good people, to be honest. I mean, I would be nothing without my, my team right now. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't meet Connor in one of my classes in college. Um, I mean, I've learned, I've matured so much as a business person. Um, I've learned to to capitalize on my strengths and put other people in position to overcome my weaknesses. Um, I'm a big fan of not, <laughs> I, I don't try to make my weaknesses my strengths. I try to surround myself with people who ha whose we strengths are my weaknesses. That way I can focus on what I'm great at already and the time that it would take me to become really good at something that I'm not is all wasted time that I could be focusing on something that I'm good at. Um, so that's a key that I always, I always see a lot of my clients do this. So like take a course on something like, hey, I want to be really good at Google AdWords and they spend six months doing that when I'm like, okay, why don't you just hire a Google AdWords expert and you focus on sales or you focus on whatever it is that you do. Um, to me, it's more efficient. Um, yeah, I guess that's another big key, prioritizing. Um, and, and yeah, always treat people around you well too. You want to create an atmosphere that people want to stick around, that people want to be a part of what you're doing. Um, don't be the boss. And, and back in college when I was hiring for the first time, I was definitely this person where I was like, how did you not do this? How did you mess this up? Are you kidding me? And no one wants to work with, with a boss like that. You have to go into the mentality that people are going to mis make mistakes. There's human errors. When a mistake happens, you want to figure out how you can fix it and how you can put steps in place so that it never happens again. Um, and that really needs to be your mentality throughout the entire business. Yeah, fantastic. I want to go, I want to dive a little bit deeper on the one point you made that I think is very insightful in this concept of working on your strength, not your weaknesses and partnering or hiring for that. But when, that's not typically something that we um, are, we're certainly not taught that early on, right? We're, we're, we're indoctrinated to become the average, the, the well-rounded person. And, and maybe that conversation or that presentation from that professor maybe 
clicked on this light bulb. But was that always something that was obvious to you that I'm going to continue to work on my strengths and partner or hire for my weaknesses? Yeah, I never really understood that mentality to become average in everything. When I was in high school, I never wanted to take science courses because I don't really enjoy science and I knew I was never going to do anything um, science-based. So I wanted to take business courses or math courses or something that I thought would be relevant to me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of stress that to everyone. And I also stress just diversifying your your company in general, um, making sure that you not, not only do you diversify in terms of revenue streams and having different kinds of income, but diversifying the team of people around you if you're partnering with someone like I if Connor and I were the exact same person that would be awful we probably would not be successful at all um, I want to partner myself with people that are that have the same like culture as me in terms of working culture um, that have the same mentality in terms of our hardworking and just overall good people but our, our everything else I want to be different so that we can complement each other and brainstorm and bring different things to the table Nathan, I think if there is such a thing, you were born to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Thank you. I, I like to think so. Yeah. All right. We'll finalize it here with a couple last questions. Uh, I love reading about business. And so is there a book that you've read recently or in the past that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, yeah, you got to read uh, the Amazon Jeff Bezos book. Um, I definitely recommend that. The Zappos book. Um, any Anything to do with e-commerce is always a good read just because e-commerce is the time – it is a time for e-commerce. E-commerce is only going to get bigger. There's only going to be new avenues. Uh, we heard just heard Jet popping up and getting bought out by Walmart. Um, that It's not going anywhere anytime soon. So if you're going to get into business, e-commerce is a good place to start. And if you're going to get into e-commerce, you should learn about how e-commerce started. Yeah, Great recommendations. And we'll have those recommendations. We'll have links to those on the show notes page for this episode. And you can find that at the How of Business com, And what it reminded me of was a question I wanted to ask earlier. Back when you were first getting into the e-commerce business, how did you learn the business? Did you read about it? Did you just, it was a trial and error? How did you get up to speed on the whole e-commerce world? It's so funny. I am not the type of person to like listen to a podcast of how to do something and then do it and copy. My mentality is that if, if that information's out there that everyone's doing it, then everyone's going to do it that way. And if you do it that way, you're not going to come up with the next best way to do it. So I taught drop shipping to myself. I didn't even know it was called drop shipping. It was all trial and error. It was all making logical decisions and calculated risks. Um, when I started free up, it was very much the same way. Um, and that's really just how I, to me, it's almost more fun to figure out how to do something myself and I find that I come up with ways that other people aren't doing it which makes me successful than it is to learn about how someone else is doing it and then just try to copy them although I'm there is a balance of both and I'm not saying that I never read anything or never watch anything I, and I and I don't take it with a grain of salt but I take it with slightly bigger than a grain of salt it's kind of like okay it's good to have that information but now I need to really apply it to what I'm doing and do trial and error to see what version of that or what variation of that works. Yeah, no, I love that. I, two, two things on that. I think when we listen to or read about how others have done it, to your point, what we can take away from it is, oh, I didn't think about that. Or it maybe prompts you to ask a question of yourself or to think about it a different way. But it's a valid point that you don't you didn't want to duplicate that. But the other the other point is that, as you mentioned, e-commerce lends itself to that approach of an iterative approach to developing your business idea, as opposed to if I open a restaurant, well, it's got to be pretty much fully baked, no pun intended, when I open the doors, right? And so that's the, the great advantage of the whole e-commerce world, as you alluded to. 
I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. So as we wrap it up, last couple of questions, last parting piece of advice for our listeners as it relates to either getting started in business or growing their small business. Um, be frugal. <laughs> People like there's no I actually took this from Mark Cuban, but it's actually good advice. Um, like don't go out and buy T-shirts with your company logo on it. Don't go spending money on stuff that you don't need. Focus on sales and sales alone and be very conscious on what you're purchasing and everything you purchase should be for a reason that is in some way of investment back into the company um, that gets you more money that you can reinvest back into the company. It's okay to take trial, take a risk here and there and calculated risk and hopefully some of them reap rewards, but you shouldn't just be dumping money into different things or buying things just to buy them. Great advice. And Nathan, where can our listeners go online to find out more about you and your business? Sure. Check out free up, check out my free up blog. Um, if you want to meet a, if you want to meet with me directly, my schedule is right on my website. You can just book a free meeting with me. I'd love to talk to you about your business and how VAs can hire can help you or just talk just business advice. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, feel free to connect with me. Um, I love networking. I love talking with people. I love being on podcasts and, um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to contact. I'm on Skype, WhatsApp, Viber, all that stuff. Fantastic. And we'll have links to all of those on the show notes page at thehowabusiness.com. If you just search for Nathan or Nathan Hirsch, that show notes page will come up. And again, free up has three E's in it. So it's free with three E's up.com, right? 30 stands for e-commerce. I love that. All right, Nathan, it has been um, exciting, fun, interesting having this conversation with you today. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it as well. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Folks, you've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.